Welcome, welcome, episode two of the Say Hi to the Bad Guy podcast. Um, had a lot of fun recording our first episode, which focused on the Joker, um, which was a bit of uh, one of my favorites in terms of uh, villains. Uh, episode two didn't want to take a bit of a turn. Um, this guy, um, also one of my favorite villains, but uh, from one particular movie in general. And that is Inglorious Bastards by Quentin Tarantino from 2009. And the bad guy in character, or, or sorry, the bad guy in this case is a one Hans Landa, who is also eh, given the dubious name of being the Jew hunter in Inglorious Bastards. Um, this guy, well, this movie in general, one of my favorite Tarantino movies. Um, you know, in my opinion, his best, uh, and I guess, you know, again, that's my opinion, um, given the historical nature of the movie, you know, being like, you know, revisionist history in a way, but done really, really, really well. Um, you couldn't really have written a better bad guy than Hans Landa, who was portrayed by Christoph Waltz. Um, for a lot of uh, moviegoers, myself included, this is the first time I'd ever seen Christoph Waltz um, in a movie. And I got to say, um, I was blown away by his performance of Landa and what he was able to bring to, I'm assuming, an already meaty script. You know, like Tarantino is one of these guys, he uh, writes the movies that he also directs. He has control, you know, soup to nuts of what he wants to bring to the viewers. And, you know, he himself has been on record saying that Londa may be the greatest character he's ever written. Um, he apparently originally wanted Leonardo DiCaprio for the part, but I gotta say, man, um, Christoph Waltz couldn't really see anyone else playing this character. Um, it helps that he's, uh, uh, you know, it uh, like speaks the language, uh, um, but you know, it, it's, it's great in the movie. He's uh, fluent in English, French, and uh, also Italian, which, you know, one of my favorite scenes from the film is uh, <laughs> um, at the movie premiere um, at uh, when he's uh, kind of interrogating the uh, bastards who've uh, snuck into the, the uh, film premiere. And uh, you, know, you got Brad Pitt's character along with his other two, uh, uh, you know, bastards as they're trying to infiltrate and, He's like dissecting their names and uh, <laughs> they're all giving him these fake names and he's like trying to enunciate properly and <laughs> Antonio Margaretti. <laughs> oh man, such good stuff. But um, in, you know, looking at this list of bad guys that I've created uh, so far, you know, for this initial, uh, you know, uh, drop of episodes that I want to do was really excited about this guy and, and kind of had forgot about him, you know, over the years. I mean, I hadn't seen the movie. It's been maybe two, three years since I last saw Glorious Bastards, but I've seen it about six times, if I were to guess, since it came out. A lot of that is just, you know, watching it with, you know, friends, family, you know, uh, <laughs> I love whenever I ask them, hey, you've seen Glorious Bastards? And they're like, I have. And I'm like, oh, bet we have to watch it now. Gives me an excuse to watch it again as well. Um, but that this for sure is definitely, you know, kind of a 
um, hopefully not too long of an episode. Um, uh, you know, again, it is only uh, you know one movie that we get to see. Um, I mean, Hans Landa in. There's n- no comic books. You know, no additional episodes or anything like that. But what we get in Inglorious Bastards is from the initial scene where we're introduced to this guy and what he does to that family, and which kind of sets off that initial. Um, you know, spark of his cat and mouse game with uh, Shoshana um, in the movie. It's just like, it's like watching poetry in terms of what Tarantino was able to do with the script and the direction. But what Christoph Waltz did with this character is just the mannerisms, the method of it, you know, um, uh, how he spoke, you know, even the, uh, the, the famous, uh, strudel scene, um, which just makes me hungry thinking about it. Uh, there, there's just so much meat there that Christoph added to this character. <clears throat> and, you know, he himself has said in interviews that he, uh, you know, he, he, he likes to kind of dissect Hans Landa himself when he's being asked, you know, like during, yeah, uh, like the press junket tour for the movie, and you know, following like uh, interviews he's done, um, he has been described as a guy who is too realistic for his own good, and one of the most egotistical bad guys that has ever been in a movie. Um, you know, he is a member of the Nazi Party, obviously, so you know, obviously a bad guy, but in you know, kind of the character analysis that have been done on Hans Landa, you know, it kind of points to them kind of agreeing that he didn't really care, you know, about the Nazi party. He really, in the end, was just out for himself. Um, his hubris, uh, his ego, his reputation meant everything. You know, he he expounds about his nickname being the Jew Hunter, you know, because he thinks like a Jew, according to him in the movie. That's... That's, you know, why he has this uh, this infamous nature to himself. Um, and it's, it's, it's hard because he's such a somewhat likable character, even though he's a piece of shit. You can't help but also kind of look at him and, you know, his acts in the movie as far as what he does and his actions are despicable. I mean, to the point where... I, I, it's it's just unfathomable to think that a person could do so without any empathy or remorse. And that's who he is. I mean, we talk about a guy, you know, as far as like any like redeemable qualities, hard to find any here, um, except for being like unintentionally funny, uh, which <laughs> kind of goes back to uh, just what he was able to breathe into the character. Um you know, every scene he's in, he steals it. I mean, there's just, you know, even in the end when, yeah, uh, you know, spoiler alert, but, you know, when he's like, you know, like bargaining and like pleading for his life um, and, and, you know, Aldo the Apache is, you know, not going to kill him. He's going to give him something that he can't take off, you know, um, that that whole that whole process and that whole scene um, definitely kind of just reminds people that, you know, he ultimately pays the price for his hubris. You know, he tries to negotiate a deal at the end of the movie where he wants credit for bringing down Hitler and the Nazi party. And he was the one that was instrumental, that he was a plant from the beginning working undercover and blah, blah, blah. 
And, you know, you have this feeling he's going to get away with it. But of course, in, you know, Tarantino fashion, it is not what it seems. And uh, he definitely, uh, you know, gets a reminder for, uh, you know, his crimes and despicable things and even wearing um, the Nazi uniform, uh, which uh, uh, the scene where um, Aldo the Apache, who's played by Brad Pitt, is, is you know, kind of saying, hey, you're going to take that suit off when you get home and hang it up in the closet. You're going to forget what you did. And it, it, it's it's such a, you know, karmic, just brilliance that happens in the writing where his whole thing was based on reputation. He His ego was prime importance to him. That's all he cared about. Um, loved this title. He loved everything about himself. Um, he loved that he was, you know such a like superior wit, you know, with his, his, his giant smoking pipe, you know, looking like Sherlock Holmes. It, he, he really is full of himself. And to that, to that extent, it was just great to see the ending, not be him, you know, just being shot in the head and killed or scalped, you know, like, uh, like Aldo um, ha- had instructed the bastards to do. His ending is one where, yeah, you know, he might get whatever credit he asked for. Uh, it, it's it it's funny because um, uh, you know, Tarantino has been asked, uh, you know, a couple of times, you know, like, what would happen, you know, if you were to write a sequel or, you know, kind of like, you know, what was, you know, Londa's fate um, after the end of Glorious Bastards? And he kind of had, had mentioned something along the lines of, you know, he, he basically settles on Nantucket Island um, and he, like, pursues... Uh, a career as an amateur master detective, so to speak, um, where, you know, he is recognized as a hero, you know, but he can't really show his face, obviously, because uh, he's got a big old swastika on his forehead that's been carved in there. Uh, so there's there there's definitely uh, a, a lot of, uh, like, you know, dark comedy in terms of this movie. Um, and again, even though some of the scenes were just, just downright brutal and so visceral, um, the writing really did kind of make him the lovable bad guy. Um, uh, you know, even though, again, you knew he was just not going to redeem himself in any way, shape, form possible. It was just amazing to see him on the screen. Um, I, I, I And again, each person that I've shown the movie to, they just cannot get enough of the performance of this guy and what he brought to the screen. Um, I'm, I mean, again, in, in terms of bad guys, he is definitely one of my favorites and will always be up there. Um, I, I, and again, because of the nature of the film being this kind of like, you know, revisionist history that that didn't happen, he, like you, Tarantino, um, had, so much freedom to kind of stretch a lot of the fact and believability, but still keeping it rooted in a lot of the history of what was going on. You know, ultimately, Hans sees the downfall of the Nazi party coming. He sees the downfall of Hitler coming. And he sees that the writing on the wall is, realistically, he's going to have to think about himself after this war is over. Um, Are they going to just round them all up and, you know, kill every last remaining Nazi? He doesn't know. He's trying to secure his bag, as they like to say nowadays, and he wants to secure whatever future he can by manipulating the situation. Um, 
you know, he's doing this behind the back of his superiors. Um, uh, uh, you know, he allows essentially the bastards to assassinate Hitler along with, um, you know, all the Third Reich essentially and, you know, getting them all knocked out in that scene at the end that's just so brilliant <laughs> to watch and just so uh, just ambitious as far as filmmaking and writing goes. Um, and he's only thinking about himself, man. I mean, you talk about one of the more selfish villains that, you know, I can remember. I mean, Hans takes the cake. Uh, he, or I guess in this case, the strudel. Uh, he He definitely just kind of, only saw it his way. You know, he has no family. He has no, you know, love interest in the movie. His love interest is himself. Um, he loves the idea of himself and what his legacy will be when this is all over. Um, and, you know, to see where the role took Christoph Waltz, um, you know, recognition that that he garnered, you know, he won, I believe, you know, best actor for the role at, at one of the film festivals um, and the amount of, you know, offers that Christoph Waltz received after that. Um, you know, of course, he was in a Django Unchained um, uh, with a Jamie Foxx, another Tarantino movie that I also enjoyed a lot. A different role this time, though, um, you know, playing the protagonist in a way or at least um, an ally to the protagonist being Jamie Foxx. Another great role for him, though. Um, he just kind of nails uh, the performative piece of being a likable guy, um, you know, charismatic, engaging, you know, handsome dude, um, beautiful way with words. And when he applied it uh, to being a villain, you know, you saw the fruits of that labor pay off. I mean, the guy definitely, you know, is made a stamp for himself, you know, made himself get shot onto the global scene with that film um, in that role. And it's, it's, it's really, really, you know, tough to find a role like that. Um, but, uh, I mean, it just, just meshed so, so well. Um, you know, and, and the thing about it too, is when you look at a guy like Hans Landa as a character and you kind of assess what really bothered him, he seemed to really hate being surrounded by stupid people. Um, or anyone who just had some type of, uh, uh, you know, not to say that they just weren't as smart as him, but, uh, people who intellectually were not on his level, he looked down upon them without even having to really spend a lot of time with the person. Uh, yeah, you know, he used who he had to use to get what he wanted. And that was kind of, uh, you know, the trope again, going back to his narcissism and him being just, um, a very self-serving person. Um, it, 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 it is amazing to kind of think about it that, you know, he didn't really care what the ideals were. You know, he didn't, uh, you know, give um, a, 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 any thought to betraying, you know, the party that he killed and murdered for. Um, and it, it is a fascinating way to kind of look at how far someone will go to ensure their survival. Um, in his case, he wanted more than survival. You know, he wanted the history books to be rewritten for him. And, uh, I gotta say that that would have been another level of, um, <laughs> of evil and irony, um, and just absurdity that, uh, you know, we don't really see too often. Um, I think when you look at 
you know, trying to peel back, you know, layers of an onion when it comes to a villain. Um, he has, you know, so many different ones that we just don't get a lot of backstory into. But for the purpose of the movie, we don't really need to know the backstory. I think for this film in particular, his being on screen, him living in the present, in the moment, and looking out for number one was all we needed to know about this guy. You know, and, uh, and you know, he's been... Um, at the center of multiple, you know, character analysis um, and, you know, people trying to dissect the writing of it. You know, I I think there's a lot of layers if they wanted to kind of pick this story up, which I doubt, you know, Tarantino will. Uh, he, outside of, uh, you know, Kill Bill, he doesn't really do, um, you know, sequels and stuff like that too often. Uh, so it's, it's definitely, you know, a once in a lifetime experience when it came to Inglorious Bastards. Um, I mean, you know, there were more than just, you know, one, one villain in the movie, um, you know, more than one antagonist, but he was the overriding and just overruling villain that just stole the show, um, in a way that when, when, when most people think about Inglorious Bastards, they don't really think about the fact that Brad Pitt's in the movie. He's a, he's an afterthought, which is not something that I'm sure Brad Pitt is used to being. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, the amount of star power in the movie was just incredible from actors that we know and love to actors that we hadn't seen before to directors, you know, Eli Roth, um, you know, playing uh, Donnie. I mean, one of the bastards who, I um, mean, one of the more uh, like fan favorite characters. But it, it was just chock full of these amazing performances from you know, Michael Fassbender, who had a, you know, his run as being, um, you know, undercover uh, because he was uh, um, a German-speaking uh, British soldier, um, and uh, yeah, you know, uh, Diane Kruger, I mean, Daniel Bruhl, um, uh, I mean, f crap, I mean, you know, B.J. Novak, you know, one of the <laughs> one of the like big writers out there right now, you know, he he played a character as well. Um, as one of the bastards. Um, it, it was really incredible to see the assortment of characters that Tarantino was able to gather for this and how he was able to mesh them all together in just this absurd, over-the-top, violent, brutally lovely movie that, uh, I mean, to this day is just still one of my favorites. Um, I, I I think it's 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 hard, again, to to kind of replicate what they were able to hit with Hans Landa. Um, I think, again, that opening scene, if anyone wants a masterclass in, in, in a cinematography and filmmaking, that initial scene um, at the house in France was just one of the more iconic, you know, villain scenes that I can remember in, you know, the past past 20 years, uh, <laughs> as far as like, you know, really sticking the landing from the gate and bringing this character into the fold and immediately you hating his guts, but also, you know, wishing he doesn't leave the screen at the same time. Uh, it's, it's a very fine line of Tarantino walked here. And again, Christoph Waltz, man, just knocked it out of the goddamn park. Um, so yeah, man, uh, Hans Landa again. I, it, it again, and 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 these conversations, you know, are not going to be, you know, super biographical. Uh, not going to, you know, break down comments, uh, 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 you know, from uh, from actors and from writers and directors. Um, I, but I do just love to talk about this stuff. Um, I do love how 
this villain, in the case of this story, was pivotal to almost everything unfolding the way that it did. Uh, I, I mean, again, when you think about the the ending of the movie, it doesn't happen unless Hans allows it to happen. Uh, you know, and and again, Shoshana, you know, him massacring her family the way that he did in the beginning of the movie, and him not even knowing that it was her who escaped is you know, one of the amazing, uh, like, writing feats that the movie was able to achieve, where Londa still kind of had his hands in every single step of the structure of the movie up until the very, very end, where last thing we see is essentially, you know, Brad Pitt and I, I believe it was B.J. Novak's character carving a swastika into his forehead. I mean, it starts and ends with, one, his hubris, and then his downfall at the very end of the movie. Um, in a way, he is the most pivotal part to the film when you really think about it. Um, and, you know, when, when you look at it from that perspective, you really do kind of gain more appreciation for this, this level of writing where, you know, the bad guys, you know, quote unquote, you know, the Nazi party and, you know, this and the people behind it, um, are, of course, the overarching, you know, baddie in this entire movie. But within that, and and the subtext of that is, what if it was really up to just one guy that this whole plan hinged on and all the just craziness that ensued? I mean, it really is a amazing film. Uh, you know, again, it, it's not a, you know, it, 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 it was not, the easiest film to watch for some, you know, in, in Tarantino fashion, you know, a lot of blood, a lot of language, a lot of gore, um, a lot of visceral, you know, imagery and stuff going down, but it's just, man, just a level of filmmaking that, I mean, you know, it's hard to, uh, to top that. Uh, and, uh, again, I, you know, hopefully, you know, you've seen Inglorious Bastards. If you haven't, you definitely owe it to yourself to watch it, even if you're not a Tarantino fan. This film, I believe, was the one that kind of, you know, was able to tap almost every, you know, movie fan. Um, you know, whether they have their, you know, their negatives about him or, you know, they don't like him. There is a lot to love about this movie in general. Um, it, it, it was one of the more, you know non-Tarantino feeling movies that still felt very Tarantino-ish, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Just uh, from all the work he's done, um, you know, he's always written th these amazing characters, some small, some big. Um, and, you know, I, I like Kill Bill, you know, being one of my other favorite, um, uh, like, you know, series of movies, which, um, of course, I got to dive in the Bill, my boy Bill, <laughs> as being a villain. Uh, you know, he's, he's written some pretty interesting bad guys. Um, and also some that are kind of in the gray, you know, some of the, like, you know, some of the ones that are kind of good, kind of bad at the same time. Uh, you know, he's very, um, he's very good at writing these morally ambiguous characters who most people would probably not agree with some of the actions of even the protagonists in his films. Um, but even in some of the cases of the antagonists in his movies, there is kind of this through line where you can kind of see yourself liking the bad guy. 
um, or at least the portrayal of the bad guy in said movie. Um, it, it really is a gift that, uh, that, you know, he's honed, you know, throughout the years of making likable bad guys. <laughs> Tarantino is, is definitely a master at that one. Um, but hey, thank you guys so much again for joining me on episode two. I'm looking forward to the next one and uh, thanks for hanging with me.